When Clay asked me to preach on Father's Day, I thought, well, I'm just going to take my own personal privilege and tell a bunch of stories about Clay. You would find those interesting. <laughs> there are a lot of them to be told, believe me. Uh, but my favorite has to be uh, the one that shows especially what a good father I am, what a hero dad I am, was when he was about, I don't know, seven years old, and Santa Claus brought him a fishing rod and reel for Christmas. And we liked to go fishing. We had a member of the church that had a farm, and they had a small lake on the farm, and they built uh, a dock out into the middle of the lake. And I liked to fish for bass, but Clay was not at the age where he knew how to do that yet. So I set him up on the pier with a, a bobber and a hook and a cricket on his hook. And I knew there were some large brim and some large uh, crappie in this lake. And, and so I told him, I'm going to go along the shore fishing for bass, but you just watch. And when your bobber goes down, you know you got a fish on the line. And, and there's sandwiches and Cokes in the cooler, so if you want something, help yourself. I got about 10 yards around the lake when all of a sudden I heard this dragging noise and Clay burst into tears. And I knew exactly what had happened. He put his rod down to get a Coke out of the cooler and when he did, a fish took his cricket and dragged his whole rod and reel off into the lake. Oh, he was devastated. And I knew it was gone, but then I thought, I've got to calm him down. So I said, well, let's just watch and see what happens. And so sure enough, out in the middle of the lake, his bobber comes up and then goes back under. And then about 10 yards along, it comes up again, goes back under. That fish was dragging it all around the lake. And when it got about 10 yards from shore, I wanted to get it, but I didn't want to get wet. So I put a treble hook on my, my line, cast it out, and wouldn't you believe I hooked the line, I brought in the rod and the reel, and the fish was still on it. <laughs> super dad, super dad. But now, since John's sitting down front here, I can't leave him out of the storytelling. Uh, my super dad story for him was uh, when he was, I don't know what grade he's in, fourth, fifth grade, and he went to school and they had lunch, and you get your lunch, and then you dump your your dirty dishes in the garbage can and I get this phone call and he's in tears and he said what's wrong John what's wrong I just dumped my wallet in the garbage can with all the food garbage uh, what I do I said I, I believe it or not I was driving by the school at that moment I said I'll be right there and so I was there within three or four minutes and I went down in that yucky garbage can and pulled out his wallet and again was super dad to another son. Now, uh, telling more stories like that, I would enjoy it very much. But Clay told me I needed to continue with the sermon series that he's doing this summer about questions that Jesus asked. And I really couldn't think of any questions in the Bible that Jesus asked fathers. But I do remember a story he told about a man who had two sons and he told his first son to go work in the vineyard that day and the son said no I won't but later changed his mind and he went to work he said to his second son go work in the vineyard and this son said yes father I'll go but he never did and then Jesus said 
which son did the will of the father? Well, I use that story to come up with my own idea about two fathers, not two sons, but two fathers. The first father always has time for his kids. He coaches little league baseball. He takes his kids to nice places like Dollywood and Disney World, pays for them to go to the best schools. He always sits with his family in church. But what they didn't know was that he was having an affair on his wife, their mother. The second father never had time for his family because he was always working to provide for them. So they had the latest toys and gadgets. They went to the, <clears throat> the best schools, uh, but he worked most Sundays so he couldn't go to church with his family and, and he always played golf on Saturday. But what he hid from most people who knew him was that he had a drinking problem. He was an alcoholic, although a functional alcoholic. So my question is, which one was a good father? My real question though, is what does it mean to be a good father? Any man can produce a baby, but that doesn't mean he's gonna be a good father. What is a good father? Who do we honor the most on this day we call Father's Day? Does it mean being big and important in politics or in business? Does it mean a man who makes a lot of money uh, and our society seems so focused on that? Does it mean living in a big house, driving a luxury car, taking expensive vacations, traveling to exotic places? Does it mean providing nice things for your family, cars for your kids, <clears throat> boats for the lake, clothes, designer clothes, the most expensive education? And did I say anything about church? Did I say anything about faith and God and moral principles and ethics and eternal life? My own father walked away from very lucrative careers in law, in politics, and in real estate because he felt there was something far more important. He was involved for a while, had a law firm in Atlanta, but one day literally walked out and gave it to his partner. He had a promising career down in Florida. He also had a, a beginning in real estate in 1943 in Fort Lauderdale. Can you believe what that would have led to if he'd stayed with it? But maybe the fact that he walked away from all that because it wasn't important might help you to understand me a little bit better and the way that I am. He had this crazy idea, this God idea, you might call it, that family and home, not house, but home, and getting a good education and being honest and truly caring for other people were far more important than all those other things. My dad has been dead now for 39 years, but I still give thanks every day that I was so blessed with the best of fathers. So what is a good dad? 
For one thing, he is a man who teaches his children about the meaning of life and life's values. A good dad will teach his children about honesty and integrity, and he'll do it best of all through his own personal example. When little Johnny was six years old, he was with his father when they got stopped for speeding. He saw his father slip the police officer a little money, and so he didn't get a ticket. When Johnny was 10 years old, he broke his glasses on the way to school. He heard his father tell the insurance company that they had been stolen. So he collected the money to buy a new pair. When Johnny was 15 years old, he made right guard on the football team and his dad taught him how you to block the other people, but at the same time you can grab their jersey and hold them, but just don't let the referees let you see you do it. When Johnny was 16, he got a summer job in a large supermarket. He was told to always put the overripe fruit on the bottom and the good fruit on top. When Johnny went to college, an upperclassman offered him the answers to the final English exam for several dollars. Okay, he was told, it's all right, everybody does it. So Johnny was caught and expelled in disgrace. How could you do such a thing to your mother and me? His father said. He had taught his son how to cheat all his life. And then he got upset because his son got caught. A good dad also spends time with his children. As somebody once said so correctly, that for children, love is spelled T-I-M-E. What good does it do to provide all the material things that your family wants if you don't provide the one thing they want the most, which is you, presence with their father? A prominent businessman became concerned at how poorly his son was doing in school. So he went to the school counselor and asked for some suggestions. The counselor gave a significant reply. He simply said, resign as the president of the Chamber of Commerce. Leave the position to someone whose family has grown up and is not in such great need of fatherly attention as your son. You should make more time to help him with his lessons, interest him in your business, and become his comrade and chum. By giving the same amount of time and attention that you now give to the Chamber of Commerce, you could save your boy, and that also probably means you'll be doing just as much good for the city. Now, how many successful businessmen would do that? Would you dads? Popular speaker and writer James Dobson once said, when his children were young, I wonder what my children will remember about me when I'm gone. What memories will they have of their father? Will they recall a busy father who was always preoccupied with writing books and catching planes and making phone calls and answering the mail and being a big man? Or will they recall a patient dad who took time to love them and teach them 
to enjoy the beauty of God's world with them. Spending time with your children is just as important for a father as it is for the children. Only the sad thing is too many dads don't wake up to that truth until it's too late. If you ask a man at age 25 what he wants most in life, he'll probably say, I want to own my own business. I want to be independently wealthy. I want to be very successful. But if you ask that same man at age 40 or 50 what's most important, you probably get a different answer. As one man said, I have my own business. I am independently wealthy. I am what most people call successful, but I would trade it all just to be able to take my son to a little league ball game. A truly wise father gets his perspective from looking at the bigger picture of life in the long run. So be a good dad and gain that wisdom now while your children are still young. Lastly, and the most important thing that I can say is that a good dad teaches his children about God and living a life of faith. And once again, he does it best through his own personal example. I read something this last week that honestly surprised me. It's a study showed it said that if children are going to be influenced in the world of religion and spirituality, it's 80% influence will come from the father. I always thought the mother was the main source of religious influence. This study is saying 80% from the father. And the men I've always admired most in this world are the ones who are successful, uh, not necessarily in their business or professional careers, and not just as leaders of the community who have influence and power, but the men who make it very clear that they are men of faith and that God is central and most important in their lives. That doesn't mean they're religious fanatics, that doesn't impress me, but they quietly and faithfully live out what they say they believe. They lead their families each week to worship, to go to church, to go to Sunday school. They sit with their families in church or at the Wednesday night dinners or other special events. They lead their families in prayers before meals, in daily devotions, in bedtime prayers. They read and talk about the Bible with their children. Can you think of any greater picture of a father than that? My dad had big muscles. As a boy, I remember I always liked to see him flex his biceps and I'd feel them, they were big. And I would be impressed and I'd say, Dad, are you afraid of anybody? And I'll never forget what he said. He said, I fear nobody but God. I've never forgotten that. And when I remember my father, I think of him first and foremost as a God-fearing man. And fear in the sense we're talking about in the biblical sense really doesn't mean being afraid, but it means having awe and respect for God. Dads, how will your children think of you? I wanna close this morning by sharing with you a little bit of verse 
that I've always loved as I raised my children. I've used it many times in sermons. In fact, I used it so many times that when Clay got to about the age of 10 or 11, anytime I'd be doing something he maybe thought I shouldn't be doing, he'd always begin to quote this poem back to me. It goes like this. There are little eyes upon you and they're watching night and day. There are little ears that quickly take in every word you say. There are little hands all eager to do everything you do and a little child who's dreaming of the day he'll be like you. You're the little fellow's idol, you're the wisest of the wise. In his mind, a little mind about you, no suspicions ever rise. He believes in you devoutly, he holds all that you say and do, that he will say and do in your way when he's grown up like you. There's a wide-eyed little fellow who believes you're always right, and his ears are always open, and he watches day and night. You are setting an example every day in all you do for the little child who's waiting to grow up to be just like you. And dads, trust me, that is just as much true about the little eyes of a daughter as it is a son. <clears throat> so happy Father's Day to all of you dads. <clears throat>